0: everybody, welcome to The Game Informer Show, a weekly podcast covering the video game industry. Join us every Thursday for a discussion of the latest gaming news, reviews, and exclusive reveals alongside Game Informer staff and special guests from around the industry. I'm your host, Alex Van Aken, and today I'm joined by Charles
1: Hart. How you doing, Charles? It's-a me! Uh, It's-a you! It's-a me, Charles Hart. Or should I say, Charlie Day, Luigi in the Mario movie? Perfect. Oh, yeah that was you perfect
2: that was yep that was, that me. was a very just... good impression of charlie day in the movie
1: <laughs> I'm, not, I, I'm not gonna dare to try to give <laughs> an
0: actual impression no uh <laughs> we're rounded out this week by our online content director live from the mario movie red carpet brian shea how
2: you doing uh, i would have been live from the mario movie red carpet if it was like two or three and a half days ago but yes oh, okay, uh, okay. i'm doing very well how are you alex what?
0: I'm doing good. I want to know what it's like, you know, being on the same red carpet as Miyamoto and Charlie Day and Chris Pratt and Jack Black. What, how, how was it? You went to the premiere, the movie premiere.
2: Yeah. So I went to the movie premiere. I got to see the movie uh, three times by the time you're listening to this. Jeez. Okay. <laughs> um, once was, uh, I guess, like, two weeks ago at this point because i was doing the media junket and so i was interviewed. i talked to chris pratt charlie day and seth Rogen. you can see those interviews on the game informer youtube mm-hmm. but uh before that they were like oh we want to show you the movie so they set up like a small screener for some media members and so i went over to that that was in hollywood and then a week later i was at the premiere and uh i didn't actually like man the red carpet but i walked past the red carpet as everybody else was walking past um and, you know, I, I went and sat down and then they brought all the cast in and, you know, they walked like literally like one seat away from me. Like I'm I just kind of like over by the entrance where, where my seat was. And yeah, it was cool to see like all those uh, those pretty big name stars walk in like, you know, uh, Chris Pratt was there. Uh, Charlie Day, Seth Rogen, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy. All those people were there. Um, and then also, of course, Shigeru Miyamoto, Koji Kondo. Uh, I got to chat with Doug Bowser for a little bit, which was cool. Oh, nice. Uh, that was my first time meeting him. I've met Reggie before, but never Doug Bowser. So that was that was neat to be able to talk to him for a little bit. Um, and then, like... You know, I, I was sitting directly behind a Backstreet Boy, which was interesting. Um, <laughs> uh, AJ from the Backstreet Boys was sitting directly in front of me at the premiere. Um, I don't know I, which I, one he is. I kept like, because I, I didn't recognize him until somebody told me who he was. And they, people kept coming up and taking pictures of him. I'm like, all right. And, and then like, when I was walking past the red carpet, he was walking the red carpet and people were taking pictures of him on the carpet. And I'm like, all right, this guy is somebody and I couldn't figure out who. And then afterwards, they're like, "Oh, that yeah, that was that was AJ from the Backstreet Boys." And I'm like, "Oh, okay. <laughs> Why? <laughs> what was he doing there?" Uh, he was there with his kids. He took his kids to the premiere. Ah. And uh, by all accounts, he was being a very fun dad during. Well, like they were <laughs> waiting because like that the premiere didn't start for like an hour after we sat down. So it was uh, he was he was entertaining them. He was dancing. He was singing. It was it was fun. It was all it was all a good time um but well, yeah well, remember,
0: was he singing backstreet boy songs or just normal yeah, just
2: just constant tell me why's i don't know yeah. <laughs> no,
0: no, and he was his, his, kid, his kids are
2: sobbing and he's like tell me why
0: <laughs> and the, 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 one of them's having like a meltdown <laughs> on the floor in front of him and he just like keeps keeps hitting that one line I,
1: I like it it's like the 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 thing where like kids are really upset and there's only one thing that can help them, so his kids are stopping. <laughs> Tell me why, and they're like, <laughs> <laughs> and
2: they just stop crying. I, mean, yeah. I think it was just kids' songs, like like songs from probably shows they were watching and stuff. But uh, like the wheels, I don't know. I don't. The I don't Bluey, know the, kids, the Bluey what, theme song. What's hot probably. with the kids now? Yeah. <laughs> I'm 36 years old, Alex, and I don't have any. You're, kids.
0: you're supposed to be on the cutting edge of this, all right? Yeah, I, you're not. a a media journalist
2: i'm not on the cutting edge of this
0: is there a bluey video game there should be
2: (laughs) i would review it i drop (laughs) everything i'm sure there is somewhere right yeah i got a a press release for like a hello kitty game recently
0: okay okay there you go
2: basically the same thing
0: yeah uh so how was the movie itself brian
2: i enjoyed it a lot i think that it is i mean i called this in my review that it's the best video game movie yet and i saw that like other reviews were less friendly to it, but I, I noticed that a lot of those came from a place of let's talk about this like as a movie first and a like a love letter to a franchise second, which you know, fair enough, that's what they're doing. That's what their job is. But coming at it from the perspective of somebody who grew up with these games and who loves these games has been waiting for a faithful adaptation of these games. Mm-hmm. it's it's just like everything I wanted. It's terrific. It it has a fun story. The voice actors all crush it. And, uh, you know, there's a ton of references, both like new and old, like all the way back to like Donkey Kong and then all the way up to Bowser's Fury. Like there's references oh. from the entire spectrum of the franchise. Bowser's Fury. Really? That's cool. Yeah. So and it's like audio Easter eggs, uh, visual Easter eggs. It's all just, uh, you know, there's a I'm not going to spoil it, but there's a lot of it, every scene is uh dense especially near the end there're just so much so many references to the games that you can you can pick up when you when you uh, watch the movie that's but cool yeah, and and the story's fun like it, it's it's definitely a children's movie or a movie meant for like you know all ages but uh, i had fun with it have uh, again i've seen it uh, more than once now and i had a uh, i've had a great time with it I, I liked it more my second time than i did my first time that's awesome. what I was just I gonna can... ask. Like was it did it age well over your three viewings? Uh well, uh, as of this recording to pull back the curtain a little bit, my third viewing is tonight. So <laughs> Oh But no, no by the time people so listen you, to this, You lied. Free, you lied. I said no, I said you're, by the time people liar, are listening Ryan to it. Oh, okay, all right. I the, I found a loophole. Yes. Mm-hmm. I I, mm-hmm. I won on a technicality. Um but <laughs> Yeah, I, I've again. I enjoyed it a lot the second time. I'm looking forward to seeing it a third time tonight. But after that, I think I'm good. I, <laughs> okay, I don't think okay. I'll need to see it for a few months at least. Yeah, I, re- I really
0: want to see it. Um, I was. This is one of those movies I wish I was seeing opening night because I feel like Twitter's just gonna be have so many screenshots of like references from the movie. Um, how. Can I ask cuz this is what was in the trailers they talked about it they referenced it in our in our video interview with with the cast how was the Mario versus Donkey Kong fight was that pretty cool cuz that's kind of like pretty early on right
2: it's it's fun it's um okay. it, it's one of the i guess better like just kind of like confrontations and it's um I'm trying to talk around any kind of spoilers sure. but there's yeah. it's it's very fun it had, again it has a lot of references um there's there's one that i caught on the second one that made me laugh pretty hard then like it, not even in like a, oh that's really funny it was just like really they included that in like one like just uh, i'll talk about it more uh afterwards sure. but yeah it's uh there's it, it's fun and it's it's a good um it, it's a good encounter i'm again trying to talk around spoilers sure. so I apologize for not being a the most boss provoke.
0: encounter yes so yes. it's a
2: boss fight yeah yeah um, yeah it's it's just uh it, it it's a it's a pivotal moment in the plot so it it's, okay all right but yeah and and it leads to probably my favorite dynamic in the movie which is Mario and Donkey Kong's relationship
0: Oh, i can't wait i am very excited to see that movie um and i asked, I, I feel like this is yeah go ahead what's up charles
1: uh, i was going to say just mario is like so often like silent in games mhm and in this, obviously, he's, like, talking the whole time. How did you feel, like, did his personality come naturally to you? Like, did it,
2: did it feel like initially we were like, oh, yeah, this is what Mario would be like? I think that initially I was like, oh, that's Chris Pratt. Like, it was one of those situations where it was just like I just heard Chris Pratt and Charlie Day. But I, I also said this in my review that by the time... The movie ended. I was like, "Oh no, that's just Mario and Luigi." Because like they just, it, it does sound good. Like again, like I, I understand people's hesitancy towards having Chris Pratt voice Mario after having about thirty years of Charles Martinet voicing him. And of course, like I, I love Charles Martinet's voice acting in the games, but I just don't think that would be sustainable over the course of ninety-two minutes having kind of that that voice. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was kind of. it it was a good idea to, to have a different take on it. And, you know, I don't, I I think his personality did translate well to the screen and they did a good job of, of making him a a more fully fleshed out character. And in talking to, uh, this wasn't an interview or anything, but talking to Doug Bowser before the, um, the premiere out in the lobby of the the movie theater, he was telling me that like, that was something that they paid a lot of attention to is like, all right, you know, this is a character that doesn't really talk in full sentences. So like, Shigeru Miyamoto and the rest of the team were very, very careful about making it so that translated in a natural way to a character that, you know, has more lines than probably any other character in the movie.
0: Is there ever a world that you think Charles Martinet retires and they bring Chris Pratt in to do the Mario game voices?
2: i don't think so i mean one okay. that would be way too expensive yeah. and uh <laughs> i mean I, I guess if there's one company that could do it maybe it was nintendo because like I, in talking to chris pratt and charlie day and seth rogan they're all like big gamers from back in the day like chris pratt and charlie day like rattled off so many nes titles that they used to play when they were kids like even like name dropping like mock rider and spy hunter and then they're like oh yeah and of course like contra if you have the, the konami code and they rattled off the konami code like right off the cuff and that was that was uh kind of impressive that they knew the exact inputs and everything and then uh you know then of course zelda and mario but seth rogan's also a big gamer as well um and i mean i guess this isn't technically a spoiler because it's uh, i don't want to say it never mind i'll i'll, I'll hold off it, it's in marketing and it, it's seth rogan has talked about it including in my interview but there's a uh A fun reference that is included with Donkey Kong, and I asked how he was because he was like, "Oh, I pushed to have that in there," and (laughs) and I was like, "Well, how'd you even become aware of that?" And he was he was just like, "You know, from being a gamer and also a fan of blank." Because if I said what the other thing was, he would it would very much give away what the surprise is.
0: Um, I do have a question about Seth Rogan's Donkey Kong. He has now, I mean. I don't know if famously is the right word, but I've seen it. I've seen it making headlines and people reacting. So maybe famously, uh, he has notably said that he doesn't do voices. If you want him as Donkey Kong, it's just going to be Seth Rogen. Did you feel like that worked throughout the film? Like, Because you said like by the time you were done, Mario and Luigi... Or Chris Pratt and Charlie Day sounded like Mario and Luigi. Does Seth Rogen just sound like Seth Rogen the whole time? You know,
2: he does sound like Seth Rogen the whole time, but it works perfectly. Like the two, okay. like, I think that Anya Taylor Joy is amazing as Peach, and I think Chris Pratt and Charlie Day are great as Mario and Luigi. But the two most perfect cast. Also, Keegan Michael Key as Toad is is fantastic. Like he went for it. It seems
0: like he puts in puts on like the most transformative voice change.
2: He went for it probably more than anybody, aside from maybe Jack Black. Like, Jack Black gives, like, 110% to every role that he ever yeah. does. And that comes through with Bowser. And, like, but Seth Rogen is probably the most, I would say both of those. Seth Rogen and Jack Black are the two most perfectly cast characters in the movie. Just because Jack Black, uh, he has just, like, kind of like a monstrous voice to begin with. And he has, like, the, you know, the the rock singer uh, thing working yeah. for him as well so like it, it comes through in his performance of the big bad of the Mario franchise and then also uh Seth Rogen his voice just sounds like what Donkey Kong should sound like in the in the first place so I mean it, it all works out <laughs> awesome <laughs> I'm excited it, to is, see it, it. is funny yeah, though because yeah. I in in our next magazine I uh I, I wrote a feature about this with <laughs> yeah. the quotes from all the interviews I don't know if you've seen this I but, have I uh, proofing page I asked each of those three actors how did they find the voice that they used in the movie and like chris pratt gave this long explanation of how like the the story influences the voice and like the situations and the motivations behind the character charlie day was talking about how like the emotions of like why this character is going through this influence his voice and seth was just like yeah i just i only do one voice my voice so that's what that's what it is <laughs> <laughs>
0: so funny the the disparity in the lengths of quotes that's good awesome um well brian not to not to make you keep talking but you were you were out in la and uh you played jedi survivor correct yeah
2: correct Uh, so that was kind of wedged in between i had this this long week i was in la for nine days and uh i got out there last or two fridays ago now at this point point. I saw the screener. Then Saturday, I went, uh, I did the media junket interviewing them. And then uh, Monday, I went to, or I I interviewed the directors, which is going to be on my All Things Nintendo podcast. For for the uh, Mario movie, to be For the Mario movie, the the directors of the Mario movie. Sorry, not the directors of the Star Wars Jedi. That was not until Wednesday. Um, (laughs) Okay, wow. Then did uh, Universal Studios for Super Nintendo World and Disneyland for Star Wars Galaxy Edge. And then I on Wednesday played Star Wars Jedi Survivor, and then uh, Saturday the premiere, and Sunday I uh, I, mean, I guess we can talk about it now. I interviewed both Shigeru Miyamoto and Koji Kondo together about the uh, the Mario movie. So it was a long stretch in L.A.
0: Yeah, for uh, but, real,
2: jam packed.
0: So how is Jedi Survivor?
2: I enjoyed it a lot. Like I mean, I I am in the camp of. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order was a very good first attempt. That was, you know, Respawn's first attempt at doing something that wasn't really, like, a high-octane shooter. And they changed it to a third-person, semi-Soulsborne-inspired action game starring uh, Star Wars characters, right? So it was a very good first attempt, and like also, you know, several Metroidvania aspects. And I think they they acknowledged this when I sat down with uh, Stig Asmussen, who is the the director. He's like, yeah, maybe we leaned into the Metroidvania stuff a little bit heavier than we should have in that first one. And uh, this one feels like they struck a better balance. There's more combat options. There's better exploration. And the map is, I think, a lot smoother to navigate. Um, they, I only ran into one one-way slide in my entire time playing. If you remember, like that was like the big thing of like, all right, he's going down another set of slides, and oh, he can't go back up, yeah. but this time I encountered it, and I was like, oh, okay, they're back. And then I was like, oh, wait, I can wall run up on the sides of the slide, and that let me get back up to the top. And it was awesome that they did that instead of I mean, maybe there are slides elsewhere because I only played for three hours, and it's a much longer game than three hours. But I um, you know, I, I think the combat feels great. The customization is uh, vastly expanded. You know, you can, in addition to being able to customize the components of BD One and customize your lightsaber, you have much more customization of Cal Kestis, uh, the main character. Um, going back, you know, you could just customize his poncho in, in the first game. Now you can customize his beard. You can customize his hair, his shirt, his jacket, his pants. Um, so you can actually make like a full-on like your version of him and like the footage that we showed on the uh, new gameplay today on game informers youtube there's actually like a mullet that you can give him if then it's all like (laughs) unlockable stuff. like yeah you can buy customization options from the shop you can um find them out in the world so like there's incentive to explore as well and
0: i want to see the moment where like cal is exploring like i don't know Hoth and he like finds this this treasure and you it, it pops up and it's like mullet unlocked like, <laughs> Hell yeah
2: no you get that at the country western bar oh yeah yeah true, true. sorry country western cantina
0: yes yes
2: <laughs> um now i need to hear a custom, uh, country western remake uh or a remix of the the cantina song from star wars yeah. that's <laughs> um, funny. so yeah so the the majority or the i guess the entirety of my gameplay took place on this planet called kobo and or kobo i don't know which way it was pronounced but um you know you're out there finding an outpost and searching for Grease, who was mm. the the forearms guy that was on your ship in the first one and um you know you, you're trying to get a part to fix your ship and then like some stuff happens that i'm not allowed to talk about and it ends up <clears throat> kind of setting things in motion for the story and like you start meeting all these new characters and like building out your outpost essentially. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of, um, upgrades to the the combat. And one of those is the addition of like more stances. So in the first one, there were two primary stances. There was the single saber and then there was the, uh, the, the double bladed sta- saber, like kind of like the Darth Maul style lightsaber stance Uh, This one, at least in my gameplay session, I got to use the dual wield where he just has two single lightsabers. And then that's so like the single saber is like a balanced, um, a balanced stance. And then the, the double bladed is like crowd control. And then the dual wield is very offensive. And then there's also one where he has one lightsaber and a blaster. I didn't get to play with that, but I saw uh, like the gameplay designer did like a mm-hmm. combat demonstration for us at the end of it, at the end of the play session. And he was using that and he was doing some crazy stuff with it. So I was, uh, I'm looking forward to playing with that. And then there's one other that I, I don't know if we know about, or if maybe I'm just blanking on which one it is, but it it all feels really good. And uh, the puzzles like out in the environment feel good. Like there was only a couple of times that I really was like, huh, what do I do here? And then like the answer is usually just do a Jedi and <laughs> and like, you know, you pull you use the force to pull a thing out of the wall or, um, you know, push a block around to let you get higher or look for like a, a vine or a cable that's falling. So you could force call it to your, your hand and, and Tarzan over to the other ledge. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's a uh, it's it's a gorgeous game as well. And I um, I'm really looking forward to playing it later this month.
0: Yeah, I, I, can't, I can't wait to play it.
2: Charles, yeah. what are,
0: what are you th- what are you thinking?
2: I, I'm really excited.
1: I replayed I replayed uh, the first game in like late January, early February being like, yes, I'm going to the sequels coming out in March. And then it got delayed. So I was like, ah, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I the thing I remember going back to it was, like, by the end of that game, you have, a like, a wide arsenal of, like, you can force push and force pull. You've got these lightsaber things. But starting at the very beginning, it's, like, surprisingly sparse. And I feel like feels more Souls-like because it's, like, you can kind of, like, attack and dodge, but there's not that many abilities. And I am excited to hear, like, you talk about, like, there's just so many new, like, combat things. Like, that's really exciting to hear because that was one of the most fun parts of the original in the here that's been like expanded also the like i i am really just a sucker for like alternate outfits in a game for whatever reason and i feel like i played through the first one being like maybe this will be the poncho that i really like and it just kept not happening and in this one being like oh it's like outfits like this is I, a new
2: jacket yeah i absolutely accidentally made my cal Kestis looked like mario during my play session i didn't even realize it until i was in a wall jumping sequence where you're just kind of <laughs> jumping between two walls that are next wow. to each other and i was like oh that's mario because i had him wearing blue pants blue jacket and then a red undershirt and i was like whoops because it's like it's not like the, the outfit that i had him wearing was like it was like a vest instead of a jacket mm-hmm. so i was like uh whoops. i thought you were gonna say he had overalls on it's very also much has, uh,
0: a hat with a c on it
2: <laughs> yeah cal luigi I,
0: yeah i am looking forward to this game quite a bit i uh i really i didn't i haven't beaten the first one i know what happens and i've seen i, wa- I actually watched our, our uh super replay series of it um that's how i like know what happens but uh i i just had like um i think i played it like when it was at launch and it was a little rough around the edges and I was kind of like kind of like put it down because I wanted to come back to it. Um, but what I did play, I really liked the environments um and the exploration in particular. So like and I wasn't really that off put by the the uh, Metroidvania elements um in the first one, but hearing that they they are like a little more confident in this whatever this new iteration ends up like this new balance is uh, is exciting. Uh, I, I think whenever you know, a, a, a studio comes out and is speaking with confidence about like, or maybe a newfound confidence, right. In like a sequel, I think that's, that stuff's always really exciting. Um, but Hey, if it's, if it's just more of, of Jedi fallen order and it, and it runs well and you know, there are deeper uh, systems, which it sounds like by all indications that is true, then I, I'm, I'm very eager to, to play
2: this game. And it, it's exciting because it seems like they did learn the lessons that Fallen Order had. Because, you know, Fall, again, Fallen Order is a very good game and I mm-hmm. had a great time with it. But there were things, especially with the exploration, that I was not thrilled about. I thought the, the mini map was a little difficult to read at times. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, it was. But it, it, this one, from my experience of exploring for three hours, it felt much more intuitive. Mm. And then also, again, the the worlds were designed with fewer one-way slides, which is always a win for me. Uh, but Fair, the combat yeah. is expanded. The skill trees are expanded. So it's uh, it's something that I am really looking forward to because I, I want to see just how deep it is. And it seems like Respawn learned a lot of lessons from that first one.
0: Did, did you get to play with the new paraglider at all?
2: So I unlocked it right at the end of my session and it's not really a paraglider that I unlocked. It was like the ability to tame animals. Oh, okay. And oh. so I tamed like a bird, like a like pterodactyl looking bird, and I could jump on him and glide to a destination. So oh. that's all I, I got to play with. And there was also like a, a chocobo looking creature that I was able to ride around on.
0: That's cool. Um
2: but I don't yeah. know why I
0: thought it was just like Cal pulls out a pterodactyl or whatever out out of its, out of his, his pocket, yeah, <laughs> and glides on it like Zelda. Uh, hearing that you have to like tame the animals, that that's really cool. I'm to be honest, I'm kind of like going into this as uh, with as little knowledge as possible. Like I've, I I saw what I wanted to see, and I've kind of tuned out of the marketing beat um, until it releases. So, you know, these, this info you're sharing with me is like new to me uh so i apologize if it's already known that animal taming is a thing in the game but that's super exciting yeah and uh, you can do
2: some stuff with the mind using the force like you can also confuse your enemies to like fight alongside you temporarily
0: which is cool. i have seen that yeah that is cool did you get to play with that
2: yeah so i there was a bio maul who was like this big like orange creature that like can roll over top of you or like throw up like acid on you yeah. and there were a bunch of stormtroopers, and I was like, I, I confused the Biomall to attacking them, and it he basically cleared all of them out but one before they took him down. And I was like, oh well, this is easy, and then took out the stormtrooper that was left. That's so cool. So it's it's effective if you use it right, but it's also yeah. helpful in evening the odds. Even though like you know you're a Jedi and you, there's a stance specifically geared towards crowd control, um, it still always helps to have a, a friend, you know.
1: Absolutely, Brian. Did you ever play? Did you ever? We cut. We cut to a montage of pictures of Brian in LA by himself. Just, <laughs> just, yeah. just sitting on Santa Monica Pier, looking at the
2: sun. Uh, yeah. Oh, I was gonna say, did you ever play uh, the Force Unleashed? Yeah, back in the day. That was that... The, that was the best Star Wars game before. I mean, I guess maybe Battlefront, the original ones, but uh, mm-hmm. that was the that was the best action Star Wars game before. Uh, Fallen Order I think yeah I I think the there's like mind
1: controlling in like the second one like that that's what that reminded me of that was my I had my two favorite non like Nintendo games on the Wii back in the day was Spider-Man Web of Shadows which is I think objectively a bad game and Star Wars The Force Unleashed which is just a wild game and this this being I I don't I think twenty eighteen we got Spider Man twenty nineteen we got Jedi Fall in Order and I was like this is it this is all I need this, this is what you wanted of... when you were a kid exactly so and just hearing all this stuff oh especially like the
2: dual lightsaber or something like that's what I wanted and it's cool that this is all canonical too so it's like mm. the, the guy's a real guy too like the guy who plays Cal Kestis is a like that's what he looks like and he's yeah, a real Cameron actor. Yeah, Cameron Monaghan. I interviewed him over uh, at the Game Awards, but also he was just at, like, they had an after party for the event, and he was just, like, hanging out there, which was kind of cool. But it's like, okay, yeah, that's that's Cal Kestis. Like, we could have him in, like, a show. Like, if there was, like, I I was thinking, like, maybe he would show up in the Obi-Wan show. Unfortunately, he never did, but um, that would have been a cool, like, little nod to... The, I uh, mean, I guess this must be. This is a little bit later than the Obi Wan show. I think takes place. Maybe, maybe it's not. No, the Obi Wan show it's right takes around place around there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it would have been cool to see like him show up in any kind of live action thing if they are in fact making this one streamlined timeline where it's like, kind of like what DC's uh, purporting to doing, where they're like, oh yeah, like the games and the movies and the TV shows are all like one cohesive story like if that's truly what star wars is doing by saying like you know the books and the the video games are all canon then i could see a world where he pops up at some point
0: yeah that'd be cool i mean didn't he was he in gotham is that what he was he was in
2: he was the joker oh sorry no
1: his name was his name was jerome um i had so (laughs) my cousin uh he doesn't do it anymore but he was uh briefly like a up and coming actor in LA and he got a role in an episode of Gotham And it came out really? on my birthday, and I was like yo I gotta watch this episode this is gonna be so cool and I had seen like some early Gotham but not most of the middle Gotham so I watched this whole episode I had barely any context for of Cameron Monaghan like he gets really mad and he pours some like a hot soup on this guy's face and it was like one of the funniest viewing experiences I had just from purely not having any context. And my cousin shows up literally in like the second to last scene. He's his name is youngster on roof. And like everyone's <laughs> about to get mind controlled to jump off a building. And then uh, uh, Jim Gordon's like, uh, you can't be mind controlled. Like the, the clause is you can't save yourselves, but you can save each other. So then like him and Harvey Bullock, like stop each other from jumping. But he has like, Combined like five seconds of screen time, anyways.
0: (laughs) Shout out out to Youngster on Roof, your cousin. Yeah, (laughs) is that his legal name as well? Youngster on Roof,
1: (laughs) (laughs) his name's Eric. He's cool.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Youngster on Roof as himself. That's funny,
2: Brian. Uh, We gotta watch Gotham, I guess, (laughs) just for those five seconds, or you know, for Cameron Monahan. Uh, Oh, you know,
0: both equally, equally impressive performances, I would say.
2: By the way, um, I did ask him at the Game Awards what, what what character in Star Wars he would like to see Cal Kestis fight. And his answer was he wanted to fight Jar Jar Binks to the death and specifically mentioned smashing him over the head with a giant boulder.
1: Whoa.
0: Whoa. Alright, Cameron. Come on, man. That's
1: what an answer.
0: Uh, it's violent. He, he
2: doesn't want any force powers. He says he wants it just like hand to hand combat. He just wants it like with Charge Yeah, Binks.
1: Here's the uh, thing is I don't know if he had no force powers and no lightsabers, Charge our Banks a feisty Lisa. guy. Jar Jar is
0: that guy, you know?
1: He's got hands.
0: <laughs> he, he does have hands.
1: He's also got like a luck stat through the roof of like, does, you could yes. try to swing a punch at Jar Jar and he'd be like, and then trip and accidentally knock you out. I don't know. He's really good.
0: Yeah, yeah. I He's agree. really
1: good. <laughs> He's really good.
0: Can you imagine being a character that got killed? By Jar Jar Binks.
2: <laughs> I mean Charles said it best. His luck status through the roof. His luck status through yeah. the yeah. roof. Do you know yeah. the, the Darth
1: Jar Jar theory? Oh yeah. What? So there's there's a theory oh, you people don't know have? this? That no, I've never heard this. That Jar Jar Binks was like the big bad of the prequel trilogy, and his like uh goofiness was all like a ruse. To be like, oh, no, I'm just some silly guy. But like secretly, like he does all these great things where it's like, oh, no, he's actually got like some serious power. But then the reaction to him was so bad. People say they like changed it and they're like, nah, he's not relevant anymore. They just made it something else.
2: Mm-hmm. There are YouTube videos that are uh, like 40 percent convincing on this topic. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, That's the exact fair.
2: amount of percent. I'm not convinced, but I'd like to be. Yeah, if yeah. you really believe hard enough, you can be convinced.
0: That's like the motto for whenever I like write a video essay. It's like 40% convinced. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Shay, we're going to come back to you in a little bit to talk about MLB The Show. But I wanted to talk um, about Dredge, which is that new horror fishing game. I want to pull up the, uh, the publisher and developer info just to make sure I can shout them out appropriately um developed by black salt games um is this self-published uh published by team 17 okay yeah this game um, looks but, so
2: awesome
0: yeah yeah so it's a fishing fishing uh yeah it's a fishing game uh, but like with a twist um so number one like you have like if you've played a fishing game before um you know if you played stardew valley uh that's like a big part of the mechanic is like you're driving around in this, this boat and you are stopping at fishing holes and you're completing these mini games, these fishing mini games to, uh, you know, catch fish. And that kind of expands itself in a number of ways, but that's like, you know, the first hour of the game, that's kind of what you're doing. Um, and at the start of the game, you are, you are this fisherman who has been washed up. You kind of get stuck in this fog at the beginning of the game and you run into uh, a giant rock, and your ship uh, is capsized. But you wake up, and you're in this new town, uh, which is like part of the island you ran into on your ship. And it's very much a Tom Nook situation where the mayor's like, "Hey, I'm gonna give you this boat, and you're gonna you're gonna fish, and you're gonna give me, um, you know, money from your fish sales to pay off the loan, right? But you 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 pay it off very quickly. Like I think I paid it off in less than an hour. Um, but like that is your first kind of motivation to get out into the ocean and, um, and, you know, learn the systems and, 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 all that. But, um, yeah, effectively, like there is a network of islands that you were kind of doing tasks for and errands for while also, uh, catching new fish and selling it to upgrade your boat. Um, so like your boat has, uh, think of like almost like the Resident Evil 4 like attaché case, where like it's like this inventory mini game a little bit where you okay I gotta if I want to fit this in my inventory I've got to move stuff around. It's kind of like that with your boat, um, except there are certain slots on your boat's inventory that are um, taken up by like your engine, uh, your your lights on your ship your different fishing rods. And let's say you want, like, you start off in the game with, like, one engine, right? Um, but you could theoretically, by upgrading your ship, add, like, several engines to your ship to make it go, like, really fast. Or, um, you know, you could, if if you wanted to go out at, at nighttime and fish in the fog, which is, like, really dangerous because there's, like, a, there's a panic system where you'll start to hallucinate and... Oh. Um, and you'll like run into imaginary obstacles that you're making up in your mind and you'll damage your ship. So it's like really bad to be out at night, but if you want to do that, you can upgrade your ship with more lights on it so you can see further, right? Um, and it's a, it's a really fun customization system that also plays into the fact that your, whatever customizations and upgrades you're adding to your ship, are affecting you know the storage options of, you know actually having fish, like in your in your inventory. Uh, so it's a really fun balance, of you know, do I want to be more efficient? Do I want to have more room for fish? Um, and as you go, you eventually get like big upgrades. Like I just unlocked, um, the 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 piece of equipment that is the game's namesake, the dredge, which allows me to. Uh, go and check out shipwrecks and get like wood and scraps and bolts of cloth essentially like these um, uh, these resources and I am using that to I just helped a lady there's one lady on this island that wanted to she hated where she lived and so I had to go to a new island and give her the resources to build a new uh, dock. And a new life. And so as you're building that out, you're building a new town that you can then go and interact to. And different towns on these islands have different, you know, one one town might have a trader who really likes uh, obscure treasures. And so if you find those in the ocean, you're going to go to him and, you know, deal with him. Whereas another place might, you know, have somebody who is purely like, I want, I've got, you know, I need like some squid and I need some eel. If you can bring me that back, you'll get double the pay. So that's kind of like w- your motivation for uh, getting started in the game and like the first few hours. But slowly and slower and slower or quick, more quickly, I guess, um, there is like an underlying mystery at play. Um, that is and I I haven't uncovered it. It is it is kind of where the horror aspect of the game comes in, where. You'll start. Oh, I, I'm this fishing hole. Suddenly, I've like caught this very mutated, um, ethereal fish that I've never seen before. Um, what's this about, right? And then, and then, you know, the plot slowly thickens, um, and there is definitely some like occult presence, occult uh, energy going on here um and that is kind of like one of the central mysteries of the game um and becomes like you know one of your main missions to figure out but it's man it's a lot of fun i i thought this was going to be a game that i picked up and played for an hour and i'm I'm like oh cool that was like really neat uh and i've like had my 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 taste of it and i'm good right this is it has become the game that i'm like at nighttime oh i gotta i gotta log on i gotta play more Mm -hmm. um it is, it, yeah, it just has really, uh, it's hooked me. Um, and I really, really like it. Have Either, I know you said you were interested. Have either of you gotten to play this yet?
2: I've not. Uh, I'm looking up. It says the main story is eight hours, but if you do all the side stuff, it's about 11 and a half hours. So that that checks out. That's a pretty substantial experience. Uh, but this is a game that, uh, you know, I. it caught my eye when the trailer first hit and I was like, all right, well, that looks like it could be really cool, but it also looks like it could just kind of get lost in the shuffle, but it seems like people have really latched onto it. Like the reviews are phenomenal and that's what ultimately led to me downloading it on my switch. And I just haven't had a chance because I've been so busy with uh, stuff from the, my, my trip that I just came back from.
0: That's fair. That's fair. Um, I, I will definitely say, I think you guys should uh, try to prioritize this one. Uh, mm-hmm. It's, it's equal parts relaxing. It's, it's just like one of those games that, You get into a rhythm and you're doing your errands and suddenly two hours have passed by Mm -hmm. um and you know when you're not doing that you've got this fairly intriguing mystery that you want to help solve um and yeah it's just it's really effective i think there's the way that they play with the mechanics in the game and like they do some unexpected stuff that uh I wasn't expecting in terms of like how you're managing your inventory, how you're upgrading your ship. Um, it's just very clear that like they, they had this idea as designers and just really thought of, of a lot of different ways that are, that are pretty small changes, but are small interactions with their core systems. But like, it's just a really great example of having a solid idea and exploring it in its entirety. Um, it, it's a really cool game again for for listeners. It's called dredge and uh, DREDGE um, I'm playing on my Steam Deck uh, Sounds like it's on switch as well. I don't know uh, Let's see. I'm looking to see where else it's at. It might just be like on all platforms uh, I'll try to figure that out while we while we talk but but yeah, I definitely recommend it. It's very cool I dig it and uh, I'm excited to keep going.
2: It is on all systems it is on playstation xbox switch steam and gog so if you don't want to get it on steam it is on gog as well
0: cool but yeah it, it runs great on steam deck by the way uh and i really like the art style as well it's it's uh got a very good water shader i love water shaders Mm -hmm. in video games Mm -hmm. and uh it's it's very good um which is important since it's a game all about water you have to have your water looking good but uh yeah i really what's up
2: uh kyle seemed to indicate because he's been playing it on switch that it uh it runs pretty well on switch as well
0: okay cool cool yeah i uh i i am really impressed by like the ways that the towns grow. It's a really effective loop for like wanting to come back and invest in a certain town and invest in your ship and have it all grow and expand. It's, it's, it's a good loop. So check that out.
2: Yeah. I'm excited to check it out at some point. Once life calms down a little bit.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Charles.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You
0: have been playing the April fool's game of the year. (laughs)
1: Um, yes uh, of the year yeah i don't know if there are any other april fools games but <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no uh i'm playing uh the murder of sonic the hedgehog i believe is the title of the game yep um yeah it a was great a great way to,
0: to get me to check out your sonic game
1: yeah the trailer is really good it's like we've gotten lots of feedback about sonic over the years and we've all of it and we finally take it into account he's dead um And the game it takes place, uh, you play as, it's kind of like an Ace Attorney style, it's like a visual novel, but you have like evidence and you interrogate people, Um, and it starts out, you make like a a player character who's like helping out on this train, Um, and it's his first day, and there's this... You know party that comes in and i guess they're doing some kind of murder mystery game and then he's like wait a minute is that sonic the hedgehog like the guy that saved the world sonic the hedgehog um and it is actually like a really funny perspective of some like a common person that lives in the sonic universe to be like wow these are so big time celebrities um <laughs> but yeah i mean i i haven't played that much of it i've played like maybe an hour like on a, a like while I was eating lunch the other day, um, but I don't think there's much more than that. I think it's like two hours long, and the the game is that um, it's a murder mystery party, so everyone's got their okay. like assigned roles. So like Knuckles is dressed up as the sheriff, Tails is dressed up as the detective, and then everyone's got like little personality cards that no one else gets to see, but it says like what your role in the murder mystery party is. Um, but early on, there's like a train, not a crash, but it like lurches forward really fast. And then you go and find Sonic, who's, like, the murder victim. But your player character's like, man, Sonic, he actually seems like he's not doing that well. And everyone's like, ha, 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 oh, it's just the game. I'm sure Sonic's fine. Um, and I was like, I don't know if Sonic's fine, actually. I mean, he's probably not dead, dead. I, that would be really funny if they did actually kill Sonic. Um, but for for an April Fool's game, like, it's, I mean... It's great. Like, I would play a, you know, 20-hour version of this just in terms of, like, the art and, like, the writing is very consistently funny. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very good. Yeah, I was surprised by
0: how uh, fully fleshed out it was in terms of, like, a production standpoint. Like, just, look. Like, I have only seen, like, screenshots on Steam and stuff, but uh, I was like, oh, they, like, went all out on this. I know it's not... Uh, sonic team that that
2: worked on it but um well some members of that... sonic team but not like the core development team
0: okay okay yeah um but the fact that sega published this is really funny yeah. and cool uh so i i do want to check it out as a like, guy who doesn't normally play sonic
1: yeah yeah i was gonna say the music also is very good i'm i'm pretty sure it's all original because i don't recognize it from anywhere but
0: is it like your typical sonic music or is it much different in tone
1: uh, it, f- it fits the atmosphere a lot better i don't think it's okay. i'm not picking up on any like sonic motifs, but i think it's like uh, uh, uh just kind of classic mystery kind of game okay stuff. so it's
0: not like breakbeats with like synthesizers like <laughs> no. going 100 miles an hour okay sonic's dead <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah
1: okay um But yes, uh, uh, what was the other thing I was gonna say? Yeah, uh, I really like playing a character in the Sonic universe that's just like a normal guy. um, And the conductor's like, before you know like who your guests are, he's like, listen, you gotta do whatever you can to make sure these guests, you know, feel taken care of today, because this is like our job where we are in charge of this train, we are really good to our passengers. And then like this crazy accident happens and you get like stuck in a room with Amy and Tails And he's like, man, I don't know if things are going to be okay. And then he has like the flashback of like, well, I got to do my job. I got to be a good (laughs) employee. So I'm going to help these people out. Um, And uh, also the implication. uh, He's like, yeah, I mean, these guys, these are some pretty, pretty well off people. So they're they're paying us pretty good. And I was like, man, I never thought about the concept of like Sonic as a rich person. I just think that's really funny. (laughs) Just going (laughs) around collecting Collecting all all those rings. rings. Yeah. Yeah um yeah and you're talking to i don't know like knuckles and uh shadows there too um and they're, they're they're not like rude but they're you know they're knuckles and shadow and just the thing of like well you know they're a passengers, so we're gonna be nice and polite and they're also very rich people so if you insult them then you know you're not getting tipped
2: i don't know
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah what do you think knuckles and shadow tip like 15 percent
2: 20 do they go lower no they're not 20 percent tippers (laughs) no (laughs) No. okay
1: i think i think knuckles is like i don't know i I could go i could see an argument either way with knuckles i think shadow like does not understand the concept of tipping he'd be like but i just paid you money i paid for the food why would i pay more after that um
0: yeah do you think knuckles is like one of the like the really mean customers that fill up a glass of water uh, and then like turn it upside down with like a bunch of change on the table. Have you seen? Have you heard of that? That thing that like, people do. That would be yeah. like, uh, uh Rouge? that'd be like Robotnik. Maybe I don't yeah. know. Robotnik.
1: Ru- is it, is it her name? Her name's Rouge, right? Rouge the Bat. She's yeah. there also. Yeah. She like steals a twenty from the conductor at one point, and he's like, "Oh, can I have my twenty back?" And she's like, "I must have, I must have dropped it." Um. Mm-hmm. Last of personality which I, which is always good for like a murder mystery but it's also just very fun that they're like sonic
2: characters
0: yeah share you gonna play this once you have time
2: eventually yeah but like that's just every it's game you... that comes out i'm like yeah i'll eventually check that out but like well, I mean, you're like
0: guy, our sonic guy you know this
2: specifically geared towards me um being a sonic game but yeah i i would like to check it out
0: nice do you uh do you think sonic is actually dead probably Okay. Good to
2: know. <laughs> yeah, I mean they just had this big hit with Sonic Frontiers, so now's the best time to kill off their character.
0: Yeah, that, that's what I was thinking. Go out on a high note, you know?
2: It was one of <laughs> exactly. those things he was on he
1: was on the ground, there were not rings on the ground near him. Um, mm. which kind of implies he was out of rings, you know because Sonic takes damage, he drops a bunch of rings on the ground. But if you're out of rings, or,
0: or of Rouge them. already picked them up. There's mm. already a precedent for Rouge. I was not taking, there taking the time taking things um brian let's go to you and round out um round out the show um before we get into a couple listener questions mlb the show even playing it a bit how yeah. is it are are there baseballs in this one
2: there are baseballs in this one they're very oh, good. good they're good baseballs um okay. and yeah this is a uh you know this uh, one of the most consistently great annualized sports franchises you know there's madden and fifa people always give crap about like oh it's just a roster update which i I have my problems with because there's a lot of work that goes into each of those games uh every single year and there's there's always changes and updates but yeah you can't really change the core game of football because the core game of football doesn't change very often year over year um and but yeah they fluctuate greatly in terms of quality though i found like madden and fifa and NBA Two K is always just like it's becoming more and more like a microtransaction hub at this point. Yeah, uh, but MLB the Show it does have a microtransaction area, like you can buy like your your cards in the card collection uh, uh, mode. But it's it, the core game of baseball is just so just sound like they did such a great job with it they they continue to do such a great job with it. i mean it's been awesome for several years now and of course it has better years and worse years but this feels like one of the better years like the the visuals are incredible the 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 gameplay continues to be awesome i love how they keep building out march to october mode which is their kind of like story driven season mode Um, It used to just be, you'd play one season and there'd be contextual like commentary based on like, if your team is an underdog or if your team is a, like a, like at the start of the season. And then like, if you end up being good, they'll be like, oh, nobody expected the team to be this good. Or if you're bad, it's like, yeah, this is kind of the year we expected for this team. And it's still a little bit like that, but now there's like scouting, there's free agency, there's trade blocks. So it's like, they're building it out almost like it's becoming like a story driven uh, franchise mode at this point, which is mm. great like now you can like hire and fire scouts that are better at different things so it's like i need i really mm. need a second baseman so i need to find a scout that's really good at finding position players or you know my pitching staff needs better or I, I just need to be more efficient with how quickly we scout these players and get accurate reads on them so you can hire somebody who's maybe a more efficient scout than your current person but maybe you sacrifice getting accurate reads for getting faster reads on these characters or on these these players um, I did use the, uh, the, I started my road to the show, which is kind of like the single player focused career mode and yeah. you will, you, you create your character. And I was like, Oh, well, I usually just create myself in this mode anyway. So I, I noticed that they, they were like, Hey, you can download the MLB, the show 23 companion app and it will let you scan your face Whoa. and boy, oh boy, do they not account for beards when you have the face scan technology. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it took me like 12 times to get something that even like remotely resembles me. And I was like, you know what? good enough. I'm not going to mess with that because like you just overwrite when you scan a new one, it's not like it saves like multiple face scans. So I'm like close enough. I, and then like you you can adjust it uh, after the fact as well, but that's, that's always a cool thing, but it, it's still technology. I think we're uh, trying to perfect to this day. <laughs> Cause I remember I did a feature a long time ago in NBA, I guess it was like 2k 15 or 2k16 did connect face scanning on xbox (laughs) one and i did one where i scanned all the game informer editors faces at (laughs) at the office and just the the monstrosities that resulted in that are just (laughs) terrible and it seems like we still have not gotten very good at scanning it but i guess it's it's better than having to create a face from the ground up because you can tweak from there um and yeah but this also has a uh, special storylines mode that pays tribute to the uh, Negro Leagues. So it's awesome to see like they, you know, they they go in, they have these documentarians or like these personalities talking about the impact of these players um, that were, you know, kind of heading up these leagues that existed prior to uh, integration of, of uh, like, you know, with Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier. So, you know, you get to play through these these moments and these stories uh, starring like Satchel Page and Jackie Robinson pre-Color Barrier Breaking. And it's really cool to see like the the these largely, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, forgotten players in terms of like the mainstream, because it's before they, they were able to play in the majors. And, uh, you know, you hear a lot about like, you know, why Satchel Page may be the greatest pitcher of all time or the struggles that Jackie Robinson faced. And you, there's a lot of other players that, you know, you you can play through these, these moments. And like, it's less about like moments that existed in the games, because unfortunately the records aren't super great about a lot of those games back then, but you can play to the specific traits of those players. So like, you know, uh, Satchel Paige was known for having these different pitches that, you know, it was basically like a curveball or a screwball or a fastball, but he had different names for them. So like you play through an inning, like calling out the the you you call the his pitch types what he would call them, which was kind of cool. Or, um, you know, this one time, I guess there was a story that one of them told where like Satchel Page threw a fastball and like somebody was clocking him. They're like, hey, we clocked that at one hundred and five miles per hour. And he was like, oh, I wish you would have told me you were clocking it. I would have thrown a little bit harder or something like that. And, it was, and so you had to like strike out a batter using only fastballs. And, uh, you know, it's just it, it's a really cool tribute to uh, to that era of, of baseball players.
1: That's really um, cool. I never I never I, I'm not like a sports game player, but I never considered like a historical aspect to it. Like for some reason, yeah. that, that's like that sounds really cool. Is that just in that mode or is there like uh uh uh, can you play in like
2: multiple eras or is it mainly like so that that's the focus of this game or at least that that that's a dedicated mode in this but there Mm -hmm. are historical teams gotcha Gotcha. um, sure okay and like nba also does that Like, there's a uh um what is it called but it was there was a specific mode where it was like you relived it was like jordan mode or something like that where you mm. relived specific iconic moments from michael jordan's career and like you had to like you know uh nail certain shots or whatever in in his career and that was that was really cool and like a lot of a lot of games like you know uh, mlb the show has had these moments for a long time where it's like you have you you step into the shoes of these either legendary players or modern players, and you have to recreate an amazing feat that they did during the game. And, like, you know, the, I think the earliest example they had was, was it, like, 17? MLB The Show 17, or maybe it was a little bit later. But, like, Willie Mays, like, re, reliving the catch or mm-hmm. stuff like that, where it's, like, you had to just, like, recreate these historical moments. And that that's very cool. And yeah. I think they've built that out even more, where it's, like, now they have, like, people actually coming on the screen and giving you like almost a little bit of a history lesson before you have to go. Before it was just like, here's the footage of it. And maybe there'd be a guy like talking over it, but now it's like almost like a documentary the way they they do it, which is awesome.
0: That is really cool. that's like the first time I've been interested in, in a sports <laughs> game in a minute. Uh, my, my go-to sports game is NBA 2K. Um, and Again,
2: core gameplay on that that series is amazing. It's, and like the visuals are incredible. But they just don't know when to like pump the brakes on putting microtransactions into this seventy dollar game.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's it kind of turned me off to, on it. But um, yeah, as much as like, I mean, I used to play baseball, but I baseball has never been like my sport uh, that I want to watch or play really. Um, and but this is like the first thing that has has me actually considering playing one of these games uh, in a very long time.
2: I think it's on Game uh, Pass. Just, like,
0: Oh, cool. Yeah. Like anytime like there's this uh, historic stuff, especially like stuff that is so recent in American history, um, you know, in terms of the grand scheme of things. Right. But even like um, not to not to go off uh, offbeat, but um, like the Assassin's Creed museum stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And like the uh, history tours and stuff they do. Uh, I think more games should do that. And so I love that uh, MLB the show is, is doing something similar. It's super cool.
2: Yeah, I love that like we're embracing the medium of video games for, you know, like kind of historical significance because like, you know, Assassin's Creed Origins and Odyssey, like you indicated, like there's those kind of museum modes where you can go and actually learn a lot of stuff about that and there were like colleges and high schools and stuff using that for teaching kids about like ancient Egypt and Greece. And it's great that we have that on the sports side as well because there is a lot of history and In a lot of ways, like baseball history reflected American history, and I think that's really cool that they're highlighting that.
0: Yeah, awesome. I I wasn't expecting to hear that about MLB The Show. That has gone under my radar this year.
2: And like as a game, it's also an incredibly solid experience so far. Like I'm having a blast with March to October. And again, I just started my ML. I spent way too much time last night trying to make my character look like me, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, i that's always my destination mode is road to the show because I just love kind of single player focused career modes. Like that's always what I spend a lot of time with that and franchise modes are so much fun. Cause I love managing a, a team over the course of multiple seasons and just kind of like trying to build like a crappy team because let's be honest most of my teams that i root for are awful or at least they have had <laughs> awful stretches like i'm an orioles fan so I, it does not get better for me very often and so i love like taking the orioles and turning them around over the course of a few seasons and making them like a playoff contender or making them ultimately a world series contender and I mean, I, can't, I guess I can't talk too much because I'm also an, a Ravens and a Capitals fan. So like, they're they've been good very recently. Uh, but you know, I'm I'm a big uh, big Orioles fan, and that's probably the team that I've I've loved the longest. So it's it's always fun for me to to take control of that team and be like, what if this team had a competent owner instead of Peter Angelos because he's <laughs> just the worst.
0: You and my uh, my brother Colin would get along really well. Uh well actually you and like my mom's side of my family they're all really big uh Baltimore fans. Oh yeah. Uh that's yeah awesome. cuz we grew up in Virginia so like that's the closest sports team for us, you know. Uh, as far as you know uh major league goes. Um but uh but yeah, so thank you for for talking about MLB the Show Brian. Uh let's get into housekeeping and then we've got a listener email to answer and then we're going to get out of here. Um, So we always start off housekeeping uh, with a new podcast review. This week's an interesting one. Adam Mitwe emailed me their review because I guess they were having issues posting it. And they wanted us to know that uh, to to know and to share their thoughts about the show. So, Adam, thanks for the email. Uh, Adam writes in with a five star review saying, I really look forward to listening to the show every week. It is the only show that I listen to every week. I really love the show's humor, insight, and how the show keeps me up to date on all things gaming. The review summaries really help me decide what games I want to try. Uh, Between the show, site, and magazine, I have everything I need to stay up to date on the hobby I love. Thank you, and everyone be well. Well, thank you so much, Adam. We appreciate you making sure that we saw that. I was uh, to say that thanks. was
2: almost uh, that was almost infringement, though, when you said all things gaming, because you know my podcast Ooh. is all things <laughs> yeah. Nintendo. So yeah, be we almost had
0: to uh, we had to almost take you down, Adam. Uh, it is funny <laughs> though, because I,
2: I was actually at uh, Bandai Namco, and I was talking to one of their employees about like while well, we had some downtime, so when I was playing Tekken Eight. Um, and they were asking like, oh, like I was like, oh, yeah, I have a podcast about about Nintendo. And she was like, oh, what what is like, is it's just like about like the games, about like the people or is it just kind of like about like all things Nintendo. And I was like, well, you got it right there because it's <laughs> literally called all things Nintendo. That's really that funny. fun. That was a fun little moment. But yeah, <laughs> also very good. We didn't talk about that.
0: Well, how about right now? How, why yeah. not? no time Let's, like the present so yeah yeah in the middle of housekeeping <laughs>
2: yeah sorry uh, i keeping this house uh the king of the yeah. iron F- i don't know what i was going with that I don't but know. i was trying to find some sort of tenuous connection and it, the bridge just collapsed that's so, fair <laughs> but yeah i went to irvine this i was not on the show because i was in los angeles but i went to irvine california the week before my los angeles trip Oh and my gosh. Visited Bandai Namco. I've been bouncing around a lot and uh, I've got another trip coming up here in a couple weeks. So I will be on the road once again. But um, Irvine, California, to visit Bandai Namco. While I was out there, I did see Alex Stadnick and Daniel Tack, which was uh, very fun. I,
0: I saw that photo. That, yeah, I was, I was envious.
2: Yeah, it was great seeing them. But uh, I also got to see Michael Murray and Katsuhiro Harada who uh, are the producer and executive producer of Tekken 8 respectively and I got to sit down with them for 30 minutes and interview them you can watch that video on the Game Informer YouTube channel mm-hmm. and I got to play Tekken 8 for I want to say like 3 or 4 hours and it's a really fun game it's a uh, they basically took Tekken 7 and they were like let's basically improve this game but also make it so it it's like focused around aggression like that's the theme that they are mm. going for this time so like they want you to be interesting okay kind of more in your face like they don't want you to be more they don't want you to be defensive they don't want you to kind of turtle up they want you to like if there's an opportunity to hit your opponent they want you to take it and they've given you so many different tools to do so um there's oh god I, it's been a, a minute so i'm going to open up my notes here but like there's like the heats there's the heat system there is uh the rage system, which is comes back from Tekken Seven, and it's kind of the evolution of that. So the rage system is like, if you get uh, like low on health, you can initiate a rage art, which is basically a super powerful move that does more damage based on how little health you have. So like, the less health Whoa. you have, the more damage this does. Uh, but you have to land it, and it,
0: that's going to equate to some really sick plays
2: right and so you once once you reach a certain health threshold you can activate this but again the lower your health is the more damage it does so like you kind of want to have that that balancing act of a risk reward and that's really fun and then the heat system you can activate that i think it's once per round and that allows you to um just do different abilities with like more more damage and then there's also a uh, a special keep attack that you can do that allows you to um, like do a lot of damage as well. And it's, they're both cinematic, uh, both the rage art and the heat attack. Um, And then there's also the recoverable gauge. Like they're, they're trying to make it. So there's as many kind of tools in play to keep it. So like, even if a a character gets off to a really great start, this, the other fighter has a chance to come back pretty well. Like, so there's Mm -hmm. also the recoverable gauge where it's like, you know, as you get hit, your health starts depleting, but there's a, a segment of the health bar that remains white. And instead of just like turtling it up to recover that that segment, you get recovery based on if you do damage. Mm. So if you hit your opponents, so this is, all plays into that theme of aggression. So like say you Alex hits me like 12 times and I have my health bar depletes a lot, but there's still that white gauge left. In other fighting games, basically if you just turtle up, you'll slowly recover that health over time. But if you in, in Tekken 8, they want you to actually be aggressive. So you recover health based uh, in that that white space based on if you hit your opponent. So and it's not like significant recovery, but like it's it's something. And, you know, and some of the matches I had each each round came down to a sliver of health. So like every little bit helps. So yeah. it's it's uh, and it's also a gorgeous game like they had, um, you know, they have Unreal Engine 5 for the first time. And this is also the first time they're developing for PS5 and Xbox Series X. And it, mm. the, the particle effects are terrific. The, the stages are so dense with detail. And the character, like facial animations in particular, are just next level. So I'm looking forward to to getting more hands-on time with this. And if you want, like, the, the interview that I did with uh, Harada and Michael Murray were... Uh, more conceptual I think than like hey tell me about Tekken 8 it was kind of like talking about like the state of fighting games the state of 3D fighting games in particular so I'd recommend seeking that out like it was just a it was a good interview they they had good answers and they seem like they kind of they they understand the place that Tekken holds in this industry and they understand like what players want so definitely go check that out and and hear what they had to say
0: that's awesome yeah uh, YouTube.com slash Game Informer. Uh, we've had a, like several good Brian Shea interviews up <laughs> on the YouTube channel uh, as of late.
2: And also, GameInformer.com, uh, you can go read right now my interview, not video, but uh, you can go read my interview with Shigeru Miyamoto and Koji Kondo about the Mario movie. And I also talked to them a little bit about how their collaboration has evolved over the years because, you know, they've been working together for about 38 years now. So yeah. it's uh it's interesting to hear these two legends talk about what they uh like what what the process of making a movie from their perspective of, you know, almost 4 mm-hmm. decades of making games and then on top of that like how they work together um as a kind of a long-standing collaborator or collaboration team.
0: 38 years. That's so long. It really that's, is.
2: That's older Whoa. than all
0: of us on this podcast,
1: right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah um shout out well, to to adam's review because they really were like man i love this show so much and then we were like what about non what if we kept going what if we had a secret <laughs> little you want to hear about new games well we also went to tech it like that was uh, yeah well, I, I, start, like that. I
2: started telling that anecdote about the all things nintendo because he said all things yeah. gaming and then i was yeah, like yeah, oh yeah. wait i was never on this show to talk about tech and eight so i should probably <laughs> bring that up because i've just been traveling so much so things kind of got blurred in my memory
0: Well, housekeeping part two continues (laughs) housekeeping redux.
2: I'll think of a way to interrupt this one.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah. Then we'll get to housekeeping exodus. Um, (laughs) Social media plugs for the week. Go and follow these lovely gentlemen. Follow Charles at ChuckDuck365. Follow Brian Shea on Instagram at Brian P. Shea. And you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at... It's Van Aiken. Um, of course, go and follow Game Informer on all of those channels as well. Uh, we have a great social team that is, uh, well, we have a great team that also doubles as a social media team uh, that puts a lot of thought and effort into that. Um, so also uh, yeah, Kyle
2: Hilliard. Kyle Hilliard is running our TikTok yeah. channel. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, doing a great job um, as well. Um, so shout out to all those people. Go follow us on all the all the social medias. We're we're there. Um and of course go and listen to our other podcast that comes out every single Friday. All things Nintendo, of course, hosted by Brian Shea. Uh and yeah, we've got we've got one more thing to get to. We had a, a listener uh, question in the Discord. Um normally you can you can if you want to be part of the show, uh you can send us your questions via email at podcast at gameinformer.com or if you're a part of the game informer official community discord which you get access to by subscribing to us on twitch uh then you can ask your question in the game informer show uh you know discord section of our main discord um but yeah this is the part of the show where you influence what we talk about just like Herb 24 does this week who asks What will it take for VR to get more mainstream appeal and sales? What's the biggest barrier right now, in your opinion? Is it price, lack of unique and compelling experiences, hassle of setup? I know personally, I wish PlayStation's units were as easy to access and play wireless as Quest. I'm just not really that into supporting Zucker meta. (laughs) Uh, Do you guys have any thoughts on on, uh, VR? I feel like, I I went through a phase where I was really interested in VR, and I'm still uh, interested by it, but I, I am not necessarily interested or as interested in being an active participant of it. I do think like the stuff that, that companies are doing is really cool, and um, I like seeing when videos pop across my timeline about it. Um, but I feel like the last VR game I really played and loved was Half-Life Alex. That game that game was an experience that I kind of regret sometimes that I haven't played it again because it's just so Mm. good, but it's kind of like the needle in the haystack, right? There's, you know, there's a bunch of talented devs out there putting out VR experiences, but you know, few of them are as comprehensive as something like a half-life Alex, not to discredit what they're doing. It's just like, what are you buying a, a headset for, right? Um, it's, it's those really big experiences, um, I think for yeah. most people at least.
2: And that's the thing, right? It's like, this is still very nation technology where it's, we, we're still figuring out how to implement the best practices or even what the best practices are. Like, I feel like companies are just now starting to crack the code of how do you move around in VR without making the user projectile vomit? And that is something that that's ultimately going to lead to better games. But it's still something that a lot of developers are working on figuring out. And because of that, like the technology is progressing faster than the best practices are. So it's like, all right, we the PlayStation VR 2 headset seems like it's a a pretty great headset. And the the Quest is is awesome. And it, it seems like there's a lot of really awesome hardware, but the software hasn't really kept up with it in terms of like, the the depth anyway, like there are some great games out there, as you said, but it's, it, it's, it's a giant ocean of games. And only a few drops of that ocean are really, really awesome experiences that are worth dropping all that money for a, a headset. And not to mention, you know, there, I don't know about you, but like, for me, when I'm done working, and I'm ready to play a, a video game, the last thing I want to do is strap something on my face and have a screen a couple inches away from my eyes like that just doesn't feel relaxing to me like i Mm -hmm. i have a playstation vr and i used it pretty heavily in the first months but it i just stopped using it eventually and also like it is it is a pain to get it all kind of set up and it's like i got to calibrate every single time i put it on and maybe that's changed with the psvr too but i just haven't had any experience with that yet and that's ultimately what has turned me off from it is like I just want to sit on my couch I want to be able to like you know when there's a loading screen I want to check my phone I don't want to like just have to stare into the void as you do when you have a VR headset I know some of them have like (laughs) pass-through cameras or whatever but like Mm -hmm. I don't know it just doesn't feel relaxing to me which is ultimately why I game like sure there's sometimes where it's like I'm like super tense when I'm gaming or whatever but like usually it's to unwind after a day of work
0: yeah Yeah, my my thing is the the motion sickness of it i I'm, I'm unfortunately prone to motion sickness in vr and uh, it, it as as much fun as half life alex was to play i would take the headset off just feeling crummy you know at, at crummy at best incredibly nauseous and feeling like i'm going to vomit at worst you know um it, yeah. it's just i feel like where the human as as cool as the tech is i feel like we weren't built to to have that tech strapped to our face uh, for hours on end, uh, as much as I wish we were. Um, you're, I feel like you're kind of always uh, rubbing up against that a little bit. Um, at least if you're like me and you're plagued by the motion sickness of it, but but also, uh, sh- I
2: was just no, saying, also there's there's a, a a segment of it where I feel like we've exited, and this this is not meaning to discount people who love VR, but I feel like we've exited kind of the era of peripherals where Mm -hmm. it's like you know we had guitar hero we had dj hero we had all these like the Wii fit balance board uh the Wii itself where it had like a billion different accessories and peripherals and that was kind of like cool in that moment but now it's like almost like minimalism is like the current cool where it's like all right you have a controller you have a uh system that usually isn't even visible like or it's not like prominently displayed unless it's the series x which doesn't fit into any entertainment console but it's like i don't want like a i don't know i i when when i had my vr headset out i always kind of like hit it off to the side i didn't really want it like sitting out and like being like a prominent part of the living room it was always just kind of like a, all right let me open up my drawer where i have my vr headset hidden and I have to go and plug it all in and everything and that, that was kind of a pain. And it's like there's no for a lot of these headsets anyway, there's not really a, an elegant way to display it. And I think that's also a big part of it.
1: Yeah, I, I uh, to as my confession, I actually did VR for the first time like a few months ago, just because I had never had the opportunity to Um. I played Beat Saber, which I think is like the game you should oh, play the yeah. first time. Yeah. yeah. It, was it was great. It was awesome. I felt like a very cool person. Um it was like <laughs> you... Star Wars The Force Unleashed. I was dual building lightsabers. I'm my sure game.
2: you looked like a very cool person too, for people watching. <laughs> Definitely. Um
1: but yeah, and I think I think the reason I haven't done it before is is like I think I think the biggest hurdle is also just still the price. Because it's very expensive. It's expensive on yeah. top of like PSVR two is uh, correct me if I'm wrong, more expensive than a PlayStation 5, which is hard enough to get your hands on. Um, and just, uh, I think it's also a thing of like, we're talking about like what the good games are on there, but if VR was more accessible, it, it wouldn't feel as much like we have to have a big ticket, like a uh, tech selling game, you know, like if, and not to say, you know, if your headsets are going to be like 30 bucks in a month or whatever, but like, I think there would be less pressure for it to be like, well, what's the game that's going to make everyone buy VR. If the entry level there was lower than we would be able to have more like, I don't know, (laughs) mediocre experiences without it feeling like, ah, man, this was a waste of waste of time, a waste of money.
0: Well, thank you uh, for that. That question. uh, Jay Herb, we appreciate it. Uh, If you want to, if you're listening and you want to submit your question for the show, Of course, email us, podcast at GameInformer.com, or leave a question in the Discord. Um, Don't forget to follow these guys again uh, on social media. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody.